And so let me talk a little bit about uh, what uh, the September series, what we're really trying to work on when we come uh, as a congregations together um, and really pursue God in a couple of areas. We're talking this month about pursued by passion. And, and it's really going to be uh, stepping back for each one of our lives and making sure, you know, am I really in that place where I understand what God did in my life, what God did when he uh, intersected human life uh, by sending Jesus to the planet. And uh, before I do that, I want to take a moment to congratulate all of you for coming to church today. You know, there's, a, there's such a great courage that it represents for not only for yourself, but also for the people who are around you in your life to say, you know what, there's certain things that I'm not willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to be one of those people that I'm going to begin to gather back together again and we recognize that that takes a lot of courage on your part. It's really you stepping out and saying uh, that I really desire to spend a few minutes with God every week. It's such an important part about my life to allow my Father to have this opportunity to impart into my life, to show me and to demonstrate to me, to reveal to my heart how much He cares for us and how much He loves us. You know, and... and uh, uh, when you are dealing with the active engagement of what we do as a family together, recognizing how valuable that is, how important that is to the way our life actually moves forward, then we realize how important it is to gather together once a week at church, not only so that we can cross-pollinate one to another, but also so that we make ourselves available to God. We give Him that opportunity whether it would be in worship, whether it would be just in His presence, just focusing ourselves 100% on Him, 100% on what He's doing actively in our lives. You know, I certainly understand that it's a sacrifice, and the nicer the days are outside, and, you know, autumn is, you know, pushing at us right now. Can I tell you something? I recognize that sacrifice, and I appreciate that sacrifice on your part, but I certainly trust that as you are making that commitment to come back together again and to slowly but surely find your way back here every week. Can I tell you something? I trust that you are really uh, 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 experiencing how that investment, that few minutes every week, investing your time with God, is paying off in your life in spades. That you can begin to see how it begins to transform how your week works and how things begin to work uh, not only in your own life, but in your family and in your business, at your job, in your own personal health, in all of those areas of life. When we just give God a few minutes every day, boy, we can start to see, if we're paying attention, we can start to see how that is transforming, the life, uh, uh, transforming the, our lives. And it's always important to remember that when you are dealing with coming to church, can I tell you something? When it comes to coming to church, uh, you know, we might think that God is the hero of the story, but can I tell you something? From God's perspective, from the Holy Ghost's perspective, you are the hero of this story. And when you step out and when we make the sacrifice, when we make the commitment to come to church, to be able to be gathered together as a body, can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit just seizes hold of that opportunity, seizes hold of those moments that we give Him, and does such amazing transformational work inside of our lives. He is so desperate to reward us for those things that 
we do that st- make us, you know, that uh, express how desirous we are to really grab hold of the life that he's given us and do the very best that we possibly can with us. When we step out as the heroes of our own story, allowing the Holy Spirit to be that guiding agent in our lives. Can I tell you something? Nothing makes the Holy Spirit happier. Nothing causes that grace power, transformational power to come flooding towards us than when when we are willing to be those people who take the first step and, and, and coming to church every Sunday and making that commitment to come to church every Sunday uh, is certainly a way to express that. And so we're very grateful for that. We're grateful to be a part of your journey. We're grateful to be uh, you know, somewhere that you would choose to be for a few minutes every week and to allow us to cooperate with God as best we can to see great, great things happen in your life. And as we step into that, uh, it, it may be a little bit of a round circle today, but uh, Pastor Tina and I have been, I don't know if you've... Uh, um, spent any time on Amazon Prime or one of those uh, online uh, video sources that we beautifully have nowadays. Uh, but we have, uh, uh, was recommended to us to watch this program. It's called the, the World's Toughest Race. How many of you have seen the World's Toughest Race or anything like that? Well, let me give you a little bit of background for it. It's, have you heard of Bear Grylls? Do, we, are we, uh, do anybody know who Bear Grylls is? You know, the outside adventure kind of guy that has um, anyways, he's, he's sort of narrating this program, and the story is about this great race. It's ca- they call it an eco-challenge, uh, where they are racing uh, all over the, the island of Fiji. And so, as you could, I don't know if you know anything about the topography of that island, but it's a mountainous island, and there's rivers and streams and mountains and mud and rain and forest and, you know, the whole thing. And so they have they have, uh, you know, laid out a course for these crazy adventure racer people. Uh, there's, I forget what it, they said it was, 60 or so teams of four people that are uh, racing to get to, the, anyways, to get to the finish line. And so, you know, we've been enjoying an episode or two of that as we've been going, al- going along. Um, but it's really been speaking to me about what I believe is actually the world's toughest race. Uh, and that is what we call life. Uh, it's what we call, you know, the, the, the day-to-day that each one of you and I are very busy engaged in all the time. Uh, and, you know, I was, uh, you know, considering how, you know, of course, we're, you know, when you're sitting there, I don't know if girls feel like this, but, you know, guys feel like that. So, yeah, I could do that. You know, it's like, you know, totally, no big deal. You know, I mean, you're worried about the rain and the spiders and the cold and the hot and the jungle and the spiders and the spiders. And, you know, it's like it's... But you know what? Can I tell you something? When I'm, I'm thinking about, as we're watching these, we, we, they, it's kind of like one of those, you know, video-as-you-go kind of programs. And so if somebody's having a little challenge, they kind of get the camera in there and they're... So how are you feeling today and what's going on? And sort of listening to their comments as they're going through the race. It's kind of beautiful to be able to watch that because it's, you know, as you can imagine, all of these, you know, thunder athletes that are there at the beginning of the, uh, at the beginning of the race, they're all just going, just gangbusters for, you know, they're going to do this, you know. And then you kind of come back a day later and two days later, it's 11, it's evidently, we haven't, we haven't got to the end of it yet, but evidently it's 11 days. Uh, of racing all the time. No, you don't need to, if you sleep, you waste time. So nobody, you don't need to sleep. You just keep on going. 
So you can kind of imagine where, where this is, I can imagine anyways, where this story is going as the, as the, the teams, the, the number of participating racers slowly but surely begins to diminish as everybody, be, as, you know, faces the challenges that are going to be presented to them as they are going through this race. Can you all kind of join me on what I'm, where I'm kind of thinking about things here? Well, can I tell you something? When I'm listening to the individual racers as they are going through the challenges of their life, uh, at the challenges of this 11-day uh, period, can I tell you something? The challenges that they are facing are the same challenges that every uh, average you know, guy or girl on this planet is also facing. The challenge is maybe they're going to climb this great big hill, but the reason that they are challenged by that is because they are afraid. And fear is, you know, the night is coming and the jungle is closing in and there's probably ruckusing of animals all around them and, you know, who knows where all the snakes and the spiders are, you know, all of those type of things. Uh, certainly that's magnified when it comes to what they're doing in this strange environment of the island of Fiji, but it's not, uh, it's not very different from the things that perhaps we are facing individually as we are you know, running our own races, run, having our own lives play out moment by moment by moment. Can I tell you something? One of the things that uh, you know, they said in the beginning of the race, I think uh, the, the host of this Bear Grylls guy, uh, when, what he said was, you know, all of these guys are physically ready, they're physically prepared, uh, for this race, they are trainers, you know, these are kind of the elite kind of crazy athletes of the world, you know, they all do marathons and they all do, uh, you know, whatever, the Ironman competitions and they're all into that whole kind of thing. And so he says, sort of on his opening monologue, he says, yeah, you know, these guys are all physically prepared. You know, they've all done the rigors of training in order to sort of get here. But he said, you know what, can I tell you something, this race, is 90% mental. Can I tell you something, something about life? You know, you can prepare. You can get yourself ready. But can I tell you something? The race, our amazing race, our world's toughest race, which is my life day by day, can I tell you something? It's 90% mental. The way we tackle life, the way we maintain our mental attitude towards our life is going to determine how well we are going to do in the race, period. It doesn't matter whether you are a Christian, whether you are an atheist, or you are somewhere in between. Your mental attitude towards your life is going to determine how you do as you begin to journey through your world's toughest race. And so I'm watching these people, you know, you get that, cause I, you know, you kind of get a bit of a feel in the beginning, you know, listening to them and kind of getting a little bit of their histories and stuff. And so I think these guys are going to, these guys are going to do okay. And, you know, I don't know about these guys. They seem like they're just more here to have fun and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you're recognizing as we are, I think we're on about day five in the program right now. And you're starting to hear the way they talk change. Can I tell you something? That happens in our lives too. That as we begin to go along the way, maybe when you're, you know, when you're young and you're, you know, you're 21 years old and you're, you know, you're just sort of setting out on life, man, you got the world by the tail, everything is awesome, you know, and then after you come back, you know, a little bit later and say, well, you know, I, I, where's the spunk? Where's the excitement about life? Where's the, 
you know, the I can do it, we're going to take this race, we're going to do it, all of this kind of stuff that you're hearing at the beginning of the race. Can I tell you something? It's the same stuff. It's the same mental challenges uh, that we face going through every single day of our lives that we see these elite racers having those same issues. And when we're talking about now, when we, we, we roll over to understanding what is the work that Jesus has done. You know, when we talk about the passion of Jesus, when we talk about the, the, you know, G- God sending Jesus to the cross for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When we, when we think about that, we can have a lot of a religious understanding, a sort of like a, a, a maybe an, a, 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 a very small pinhole understanding of what Jesus was actually doing when he went to the cross. Was he getting us a, our ability so that those who believe could go to heaven and have a place for us eternally, you know, so that this life is not our only life and, and we get, can live in heaven with God forever? Was he doing that? Absolutely he was doing that. But can I tell you something? When you pick apart the, uh, the, the small pieces, the individual things that Jesus did when he went to the cross, when he made that sacrifice, there's a lot of pieces of it that were uh, perhaps, uh, you know, I might sound blasphemous, it, it wasn't necessary. It really wasn't necessary for Jesus to do a lot of the things that he did if all he was looking to do was get us to heaven when, he, when we died. If he just had to pay the price for sin, then, you know, have some Roman soldier just sort of run him through. Have it over with. Can I, can I tell you something? It didn't go like that for Jesus. There was a, a whole process. It didn't take Jesus by surprise. It wasn't that some guy came up behind him and slit his throat or something like, that. oh, the Messiah's dead, now we all got to go to heaven. That would have been a much easier, but it would still would have accomplished it. His blood would have been poured out. It would have been an accomplished work. But can I tell you something? When you look at the process of what Jesus was doing, can I tell you something? There was something else going on. Or God is cruel to put Jesus through all the things that he put him through. And so what, let me catch up to my notes here. So when we were, when I was observing these guys as they were going through their, uh, their, their experiences and the things that were challenging them as they were going uh, from course to course and from, from this part to that part, you know, the challenges that they were facing were very similar to some of the challenges that we face when we run life. When we try to get all of our mental attitude in the right place, the challenges that we face were very similar to the ones they were talking about. This fear issue where they are so aware of how vulnerable they are. You know, these are people who are, you know, basically there's, you know, there's people at the starting line and then there's a couple of checkpoints along the way. But other than that, they're doing like a thousand mile race over a 10 day period. I'm not sure if that number's right, but anyways, a long, long way. And there's only a couple of moments in there where you could even have contact with other people other than your own team. So it's like, man, you could feel how vulnerable they must have felt as individuals, how the pressing fears of environment and of the slopes and of the rocks and of the, the rapids and the spiders, all of those things were pushing at them all the time. 
Can I tell you something? That's not unlike the way our lives are. We don't have every step planned out. We're not sure what exactly is going to come at us in the next 10 minutes of our lives, in the next day or month or year of our lives. We're, we've got this pressure. Now, we know, I mean, might know how to manage it a little bit, but can I tell you something? If you let that thing get out of control, if you let the fears get to that place where it's like, man, now I'm starting to make decisions, my world is sort of closing in, can you imagine how that would be feeling for some of these people on that race? Well, can I tell you something? Life is like that too for us. When we start to allow ourselves to become so aware about how vulnerable we are as human beings and allowing the fear to, 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 to shrink our world. Can I tell you something? I hear them talking all the time on this race, and I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I don't know if I'm enough. I don't know if I have the strength. I, I don't know. I, I'm just not sure if I'm going to survive. I'm just not sure if something's going to... I'm just not sure if I'm going to make it. It's constantly questioning themselves, sort of that self-talk saying, I'm just not enough. You know how you can imagine how that would feel day after day, kilometer after kilometer, uh, as they are going, walking through this race, they're realizing day after day they're getting less and less, they're getting tireder and tireder, their muscles are getting sore and sore, they're sleep deprived, they're facing these challenges all the time, wondering, 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 you know, am I enough? Am I going to be, I'm, I'm just not sure I can get there, I'm not sure I can make it, I just don't think I'm, I don't think I trained, I don't think I'm, can you see how the pressure of those thoughts they have to control the way they think about thoughts like that. Can I tell you, when they start to embrace their own weaknesses, you know, you start, we're about day five, and now people are starting to, they're kind of talking it up, yeah, you know, you know, I had this injury, you know, back when I was, you know, and I had the, you know, my, you know, thing, and then I just had this last time I, one lady drowned, and when they got, they, obviously they resuscitated her after a, uh, a, ra a, whitewater rafting thing in the past and so now she's doing the whitewater rafting thing and it's like as she's like beginning to say oh i'm just so afraid i'm just so afraid i'm just i'm you know i'm so afraid i'm so afraid i'm so afraid as she's starting to embrace you know i'm a kind of a broken person now uh because i had this other experience and the various ones of the racers are kind of going through these past experiences but those experiences can i tell you they're not in the past those experiences are in the present in those people's lives, and they're sort of, and they have embraced that weakness. They've started to take on that identity. You know, I, I used to be better, but now I have panic, panic attacks all the time. As they're embracing those weaknesses and they're starting to own them, they're starting to become, you know, this is part of my life now. And then the final one, you know, this thing, and let me just say for each one, let's make the comparison there. When we are doing that in our own lives, when we're facing difficulties or we're remembering when stuff didn't go that awesome last time we tried it, and now we're saying, yeah, but you know, I'm just not as good as that anymore. You know, I'm not, that's, I think I said it to Tina the other day. So, you know, it's watching this race. I, you know, I wish I wasn't 60. I'm not 60 yet, but that's coming at me like a train. And so you start realizing, I'm not, not as, you know, can you hear me say them? You know, not as... <laughs> Not as, uh, you know, somebody else who is in my position in life might say, let me say it like that, they're not as young as they used to be. Not, you know, a couple of the guys, one of the teams is kind of the senior team. They've been adventure racers all their lives, and you're listening to them, you know, not as young as we used to be, you know, it, is just never, it ain't working like it used to work, and now, you know, on and on, and, and you can tell they're, you know, what might be great strength in them is slowly but surely, you know, causing them to just embrace this weakness, this 
I'm just not like, I'm just not as good as I used to be. And the final one, you know, when we're looking at our own lives, these guys, you can hear, you know, they're, they're in teams of four, but you can hear a lot of the, I'm, I'm alone. You know, I'm on this race by myself. You know, they're teams of four, but there's not a lot of the events that are team events. It's not like you'd have to depend on each other. You're just four people all doing your individual mountain bike path or whatever. A lot of their time they're spent, even though they're kind of clustered a bit together, they are alone. Can I tell you something? There's, there's a lot of pressure to alone. You know, I watch this in my grandchildren, you know, when they're going somewhere that they've never been before, uh, you know, and they're kind of looking around. The very first thing they do is they, they reach, you know, are you, are you coming with me? Right? And all of a sudden you grab their hand and say, okay, now we'll go. There's, see, the power of not being alone. When you find yourself in positions in your own life, you can, you can, be, alone in a cr- you can be alone in a crowd. How many of you recognize that feeling when you are, you know, you're, you're surrounded by people, but you'd say, you know what, I, I don't know that people understand where I'm at. I don't know that people are able to uh, I appreciate what is going on in my life. I'd share it with you, but you know, it's... Uh, and so what happens is that we become alone. We, we live our lives alone, and the pressure of being alone and being, you know, having to depend only upon yourself and your own wits. There's nobody there to help you. There's no one to guide you. There's no one to lend that helping hand when you may need it in the future. Boy, there's a, there's a lot of pressure to the feeling of being alone, about having nobody that I can depend on. You know, that's a lot of the pressure that these racers are feeling. I tell you something, when, when Jesus went to the cross, there was so much more going on than, uh, you know, Jesus getting us all a ticket to get to go to heaven when we die. That's certainly a priority. That's certainly an important part about our existence because this life is not our life. This is, we're traveling through here. We're pilgrims on the, a bit of a journey through this little season of our lives. Our real life is our life yet to come. But can I tell you something? God doesn't need to help you w- with your mental attitude when you get to heaven. He didn't do all of this work of Jesus empowering us and what we're going to talk about in a minute in order to make it better for you when you're in heaven. You know, that's not necessary. We're, we're not going to have mental problems when we are uh, in heaven. We're not going to be challenged by things when we get to heaven. The challenges, the difficulties, the, you know, 90% mental part of it, that's for when we are here on this planet, when we are facing the challenges, when we look through a glass dimly, when we're where we're trapped inside of the clicking, the ticking, t- uh, the hands of time, and we're just not sure what tomorrow is going to have for us. When we're not sure what's going to be going on, when we're having to make decisions and we don't quite have the information that we need in order to make, boy, we can start pulling back and pulling back and pulling back and pulling back. I tell you, when Jesus was here, his focus for us in the middle of all of these things recognizing that these mental issues, the fear and the weakness and the not enough and the all alone, they're the same for everybody. You know, we, have, we do a lot of work with people on emotions and kind of getting all of their mojo back around here in this ministry. And you know, you can, 
everybody's got, you know, no, 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 you have never seen a problem like mine. Ah, that's not true. I'm not saying that there's not things that go, have gone on in each one of our individual lives that are very different from one another. Yes, but can I tell you something? When you get to the bottom line, it's going to be a fear. It's going to be a, I'm not enough. It's going to be a, I've somehow embraced a weakness in my life or, you know, I'm really scared to be alone. And that'll take care of about 90% of our issues when we deal with that. And that's kind of why I wanted to share this with you today, that recognizing that there were things happening on day one of your Christianity when you came to understand that Jesus willingly, Jesus the, the visible representation of the invisible God, so when you see Jesus, you see your Father. When you, when you understand the way Jesus' motivations, you can understand God's motivations. And Jesus himself came to this earth, willingly laid his life down, died a gruesome death on the cross in order to pay the price for my sin. In order for me to be restored to my heavenly Father. There's a great divide between me and my heavenly father that divide had been reconnected again the bridge had been made between me and my heavenly father restoring me to my rightful place as a child of god now unless you are you know this is your first time to church in a while that isn't the first time you've heard that story matter of fact probably the first time you heard that story i mean really heard that story was the day you got saved, when you really decided, you know what, Jesus, you are the way. You are the answer. You are the thing that I need in my life. And, and maybe that was a glorious day for you, and you know, you put your hands up, or you came up to an altar, or you're on a street corner somewhere, and you prayed a prayer saying, you know, Jesus, <laughs> I don't know why I believe in you, but I believe this story's true. I believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. Can I tell you something? There's more that happened. That when we step through that, many of us have this experience where we get, our, get saved, we are, you know, our hearts are reconnected to Almighty God, but there's a whole bunch of things, other things that were part of that experience that needed to become part of our lives, things that were going to impact my mental perspective towards the life that I was going to continue to lead from that point on. So many Christians that I meet nowadays are they're still, and I'm not saying another thing is bad. For, you know, I got some of this going on in my life where there's still fear and there's still not enough and there's still... Uh, embracing weakness when there's still I'm all alone that were that are still punishingly uh, tormenting us in our mental ability to face life head on and yet when Jesus was here he specifically wanted to give us tools change our perspective towards these mental uh, forces that were going to try to keep us even now that we have come into the kingdom, we have, we've, we've moved to a whole new country where everything has been set up in order for us to reach our destiny, even though we have come to this new country, we're bringing our old mental attitude to this place. A mental attitude that's got the fear, that's got the not enough, that's got the weakness, that's got the 
I'm all alone that's going to hold us in the middle of the, a, a paradise world. They're going to hold us distant from the destiny that each one of us has been given by God. And so we recognize then, as we take a look at some of these things, uh, the, the mental forces that are going to try to magnify the hardships. How many of you can imagine that when they are going through this very grueling, difficult race through Fiji, the more of these mental attitudes they allow into their mind, the harder the course actually gets. It's, it's empowering them to uh, begin the process of accepting defeat as an option. No, maybe, uh, you know, maybe they start out, we're going to win this. And then you hear a couple of them saying, you know, okay, well, uh, uh, we're going to get the top three. And then after a little while, it's like, you know, I hope I get to the middle of the pack. And then after a while, you're hearing them, oh, my gosh, I hope I can finish. What are they doing? There's that mental attitude that is slowly beginning to empower them. Well, you know what? I don't have to be the best in the world. Well, I don't have to get first place. I don't even have to finish. It's really all about the experience. You can hear that, right? Can you? <laughs> I'm all, you know, go watch. It's going to be funny for you if you go watch that show now that I've kind of given you a little bit. Well, this is what you're listening for, and you're going to laugh. But you know what? Can I tell you something? You're looking in a mirror. Because these are the same things we're dealing with, the same things that's going on in your life. It's the same challenges that are going to face you tomorrow morning when you've got to go run your toughest race tomorrow and be able to do this thing, this, this tough, aggressive mental attitude that transforms the way you think about the race that you are running. Can I tell you something? I'm watching them embrace a lesser destination. Well, I, maybe if I can just make it. Maybe I can finish in the middle of the pack. Can I tell you something? Challenges turn into trauma when we start to let these four things, fear, not enough, weakness, and all alone, when we let those into our minds, what happens is a challenge very quickly turns into a trauma. And can I tell you what happens after that? What happens after that? We start to talk about the trauma. And can I tell you what happens then? You can feel it. You can feel in the watching these athletes when they're, you know, there's one of them. I, I, I don't want to be doing too many spoilers for you here, but. You know, this t one, of the, one of the guys, super tough, like tough. You can just tell, he's tough. And he gets into, gets into a little bit of a, and not say a word, not say a word, not say a word, not say a word, not say a word. How you doing? Great. How's everything going? Great. How you feeling? Very perfect. And he gets into this really bad situation where the medical issue comes up, and they've got him, you know, it's, I'll tell you what it is, hypothermia. And so he's, he's, and they wrap him in this blanket, you know, they got all the stuff, and they wrap him up, and they're pouring stuff down his throat, coffee down his throat, and all this kind of thing, and they turn him over, you know, they got, literally, you can't even see the guy, he's buried under a pile of blankets, they're digging down there, thinking, well, maybe we ought to give him some oxygen or something, they dig him down inside, and how you doing? This is great. Can I tell you something he's learned? Because he ain't feeling, I mean, he ain't feeling great. But you know, he knows, if I let this trauma come out my mouth, I tell you something, these guys are, you know, they're, they're placing well in the race so far, anyways. Can I tell you something? They'd be out. They'd be out. 
because he starts talking like that. And then right very next scene, after that guy says, perfect, you get somebody way, ba- way back, back of the pack. It's, they made the mistake, taking a nap. You know, never take a nap when you're on an adventure race. There you go. There's, there's the rule right there. They wake up from the nap and they go, yeah, this is God. God just, they start talking it. Five minutes later, you know the end of the story? I won't spoil it for you. They went home. You see, what happens is, is that these challenges turn into traumas. These traumas turn into our talk. And then our talk turns into our life. And all we got to do is say, you know what? Well, let's just figure out how are we going to deal with this fear stuff? How are we going to... I mean, we all know there's real spiders out there. The snakes are real. Sharks are real. We all know that you know, sooner or later we're going to face some situation that I'm not enough for. I remember we were up on the roof doing the, the R project here. And we had to lift something. And I'd never in my... This may be, I don't know how many years ago it was now, three or four years ago, that we were doing that project. And it was like, I remember... We tried to li- I tried to lift something. I'd never had this experience in my life where I tried to lift something that I couldn't lift. And all of a sudden, I'm there. I'm try- I think it was me and you doing something, Garth. And I was, I was there trying to lift it, and I ah, gave it all the strength that I couldn't get that sucker off the ground. And it was like a moment. I remember it now. I still, I'm telling you. So I'm, it's, uh, you know. So you, you, there's going to be something that we face when there's just not enough, when you... You never used to be challenged by something, and now all of a sudden you're challenged by that thing. And, you know, maybe there's a, you never saw that weakness in your life anymore, but you know that little crick when I, you know, just got, you know, just when I. Maybe you never felt alone before, and then all of a sudden it's just like something happens, and it's, you know, you just, you're right, you're just by your onesie, and it's like, man, this is not where I want to be. Don't talk to trauma. Don't, I'm not saying don't talk about it with your mentor and, you know, p- people who are helping you and counseling. So I'm good with all that, for sure. But, I mean, it's not like, hey, how are you doing today? Well, you, how much time you got? You know, that's not what you're looking to do. That's not where you're looking to be. I'll tell you something there. The gospel narrative, the story, the, 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 the play-by-play of what happened when Jesus went to the cross. And just what I explained to you there, it's got so much power in it. You know, that's why Paul, I believe, said in Romans chapter 1, he says that the, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God is not released in our lives just in a willy-nilly magician, pixie dust kind of a way. The way we access the power of God in our lives is through the gospel. And so we recognize that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, right, at, right there, in that narrative, in that story, is all the mental power we need in order to face these issues, the fear and the doubt and the not enough and the weakness and the all alone, all of those issues that are facing, plaguing humankind as they are they're running their world's toughest race, can I tell you something? Those things are, are, are encapsulated. The victory over those things is part of the narrative of Jesus' death and resurrection. That's why I think they call it good news. You know, when people would tell the story, we get this book of Acts is like this, this, this whole encounter where we are the fly on the wall listening and watching in as people come and encounter 
the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. <clears throat> we have the ability to, and to see how they interacted with that. They said it was good news. I'm watching that. You know, this Bear Grylls guy, you know, I'd like him, I, we, I wish we were buddies. I wish you could give, give me a cell phone so that when I'm having my challenge, you know, the guys, he's, he interacts with people along the way, you know, he you know, stops in and he comes beside them and, you know, they're feeling bad. They fell down, they broke something or, bro you know, they busted something or they, maybe they slipped back five or six places in the standing. And you know what he does? He comes up to them and says, oh, your problem is you didn't, you didn't, you didn't study enough. You, you know, you didn't work out enough. You know, you're just a weak person. No, he doesn't talk like that. He comes up beside them and said, oh, you know what? How you know how many millions of people aren't here right now in this race? You know how many people wouldn't have made it this far? Look how far you have come. You're amazing. Look at your strength. You're still determined. There's still, look, one foot in front of the other. Oh, you're so amazing. What is he doing for that person? That person is saying, man, bears, bear, you brought me some what? Good news. Because your words, I could feel them. There's fear, there's not enough, there's torment, there's, 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 I'm all alone beating these people down. And all of a sudden, somebody comes to them with something and they go, oh man, that was such good news. Can I tell you something? That's what Jesus' story did. It didn't just get them, oh, you know, I'm just going to suffer another 50 years on this stinking planet. And then I guess it's going to get better or whatever. Can I tell you something? Those guys who are on that race, they don't need to know what the after party is going to be like. They need to know, how do I get this foot to go like that? They need some good news. They need some mental fortitude. They need somebody to say something to them that says everything is going to be okay. And all of a sudden, everything, all that craziness that's going on in their minds as they're taking one step after another, it's just gone. And then they say, man, Bear, you brought me some good news. You know, when Jesus did that, he, he was that same thing. Jesus' message, people called it good. Why? Because he empowered them, because their journey was getting hard. They were facing difficult, just like every one of us, when we heard the message, it was such good news. It did exactly the same thing that Bear Grylls' words did for these runners. As he empowered them, it was a strength that he, had just all he was, some of them, he was just literally, and then he let them go. And you could just, wow, yeah. That was good news that I heard from this guy. He thinks, Bear Grylls, I mean the king of the pile. <laughs> he said, he's impressed with me. He said that he's rooting for me. He said that I'm all that. He said, don't worry, you're not alone. He said, there's nothing really to be afraid of. He just said, you know what, you're more than enough for this course. Can I tell you right now, I've been watching you. You're more than enough. You got everything you need, man, to get through all this thing. Can I tell you something? He goes up, that's Bear Grylls. <clears throat> How about if Jesus came up along? When he was on the cross, 
when he was doing but can I tell you something? Nobody took from him anything. Nobody made Jesus. Nobody came up behind Jesus and slit his throat. Jesus walked intentionally into that. And can I tell you why? There's only one reason. There's only one rational reason. If I'm laying on the floor, you know, outside there, I fell, and, and you guys run over to me and help me, you know, there's only one reason you do that. You know, I might, you know, I get, you know, I get blood coming on the side of my mouth if I bang myself, I'm going to bleed on your shirt. Why would you do that? Why would you sacrifice your shirt for me? Why would you come out of your way in order to help me? Yeah, because there's only one reason. There's only one reason we do that. And that is because we love. And we're not awesome as people. Jesus, he did what he did because he loved us. He did what he did because he was trying to show us. Let me tell you, I'm with you. I, can I tell you something? I made this plan up long before you knew I needed to make a plan up. Matter of fact, none of us were even alive when Jesus says, I'll save these guys. Those bozos up in Fort Erie, look, look, fix up their problem right now. 2,000 years ago. You didn't even know you needed a Savior. He was so far ahead of your game, making a way for you, making a path for you. Not just a guy, God, the visible representation of the invisible God. Jesus came here. The only reason he would do what he did, he loves you. I tell you something, that's tough. Loves me, yeah, that's, yeah, great. Got the t-shirt? I got a t-shirt that says that. Yeah, I got one of those. Bumper sticker, that's good. Yeah, I can eat one of those. Little, uh, Jesus loves me bracelet, oh, that's cool. Man, can we get this? You see, the gospel is not just a story that well, you know, we're going to tell our children a story. Man, the gospel is when you believe this stuff, all of a sudden when you're on your race and you realize, man, I am afraid. Man, I got, there's, there's, there's monsters out there. And you realize, wait a minute, God loves me? He came after me? I mean, I didn't even have the smarts to go after him. He came after me. And I'm there on the race now, and I'm thinking, oh, there's monsters, there's monsters, there's monsters, and the monsters, you know, think about the monsters, monsters get bigger. The more you think about them, the more bigger they get. Instead of that, I say, no, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, Jesus loves me. He loves me. When I'm on the race there and I'm saying, oh, let me make sure I get my notes. Oh, okay, oh, that was a good point, missed it, too late. The Bible says this, Romans 8, 31. You know, God is for me. Come on. How big does the spider need to be that it, I need to be afraid of it? When God is for me, who, what, can possibly be against me? You see, you let those things get into your mind. Whatever those things are that you're facing right now. There's fear. Some of it's fear. Some of it on your race right now, trying to push you down, trying to make you settle for a lesser destination. They're, they're trying to get you to slow down. They're trying to get you to not take a risk. They're trying to get you to not go with God. Can I tell you something? If God be for us, who, what can be against us? You see, what was supposed to happen 
inside of us when we came to Jesus. We weren't supposed to just see a guy on a cross. We were supposed to see it all. We're supposed to see it all. Where he said, wait a minute, not only was he there, he's there willingly. He's there in a premeditated way. He came here to do that, to rescue me from everything I needed to be rescued from. It says that the power of God unto salvation. You know that word salvation is a word soteria. Pastor Alex kind of opened the door for me, so now I'm back to my word. When you would talk about somebody, you know, they were kind of into mythology at this time, you know, all that kind of stuff. Zeus and Apollo and Hermes and these guys. Are you cutting me off? And they would use this word soter, and that would be the, the noun. They would refer to them as a soter. And that would be, you're a god who has come down to rescue me. And so the word soteria is picking up on those words, picking up on those concepts where it's like God coming down and rescuing me. He's, he's getting, but it's, 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 it happens in our mental capacity when we start to get afraid, when we start to be diminished by those things inside of our minds. Can I tell you something? I'm not enough. You know, can I tell you something? I just learned my dad is almighty God. El Shaddad. <laughs> what, what do you mean I'm not? You know, Olivia could come up to me and say, you know what, Bubba, I can't climb in the pool. I said, don't worry, Olivia. El Shaddad is here. <laughs> you may not be tall enough to get in the pool. That's okay. Bubba's here. Bubba's going to help you. You know, Olivia needs a new toy. That's okay. You don't got money. That's okay. Bubba's here. Actually, Mimi's here right? Just, just leave the magazine open. And somehow, ding dong, Amazon at the door, that sucker is here. Mike and Jess saying, we need a new house. I said, no, you don't have any more kids coming. He says, not the kids, it's the toys. Else, God, am I enough? Can I tell you something? It's not about whether I'm enough. Certainly, there's, uh, there's real stuff. But boy, when I face a not enough moment, what am I thinking about? Am I, am I going to mentally fall down and say, you're right, Ian, you're not enough. Remember that last time? You weren't enough then, you ain't enough now. Right. You know, go on, go on. What are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to diminish the destination. You're going to reduce your strength. You're going to limit yourself by thinking, instead of just thinking, you know what? I, it doesn't matter if I'm enough. God's enough. Inside of the gospel was I, am an, I was lost in my own sin thinking I was the smartest person on the planet. And all of a sudden I realized that 90% and that was generous of everything I believed was wrong. But you know what happened? God knew that in advance. He came in and he was more than enough for every step of the way. Now as I look at my tomorrow, am I worried about not being enough? Can I tell you something? You may not be enough for what comes tomorrow, but can I tell you something? That's where God comes in. That's yes. where El Shaddad yes. shows up on the scene. Amen. And all of a sudden, that knowledge of that transforms us on the inside. Amen. Embracing weakness. Can I tell you something? It's like we, we, we're human, man. We got stuff. But you know what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians? says, where I am weak, what? He is strong. So when I feel a weakness in my body, you know, I could focus on it. Oh, my knee, my hip, oh, my, you know, I got the, you know, the. I say, you know, wait a minute, no, 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 no. How are you going to fight? It's 90% mental. Say, it's not, when I'm weak, 
What am I looking for then? When I'm seeing my own weakness, what am I looking for? I'm not looking for whether I'm going to get weaker. I'm looking for that's got to be the place that God's going to be strong. Where are the miracles in your life? Can I tell you the miracles in your life are where you are weak? That's the stuff God's going to let you do that. But boy, he's very interested in you becoming strong and him showing himself strong on your behalf. So when you experience a weakness, turn around. Say, okay, where's God at? Where's the miracle at in my life? I tell you what that's going to do when when you're starting to shrink, you know, and the mud is up to your knees and your bike is loaded and the the water's freezing and there's, there's, you know, the the course looks like it's going to take you. Say, where's God at in my life right now? Look around. You'll find him. Look around. There's a miracle on its way. I'm alone. Yeah, I'm alone. Sure. Come on. Who's alone? Young ladies, who's alone? When the, when the older brother came to, to the father in Luke chapter 15, the famous story of the prodigal son, he ends the story, the, the punchline of the whole greatest story ever told was, Beloved, I am with you always. Hebrews, it says, I will never, never leave you. Who's alone? So are you looking in the wrong direction? You know, if you're looking at the weakness, if you're looking at the fear, if you're looking at the not enough, God ain't there. You got to turn around and say, oh, there you are. El Shaddad. Almighty God, ready with me, always, never forsaking me. See, that's all what the gospel is about. When we can hear that, allow that to become part of us. Yes. It's not just I get to go to heaven when I die. It's I get to win the toughest race yes. on the planet. Amen. And that's the race that I've been given. Can I tell you something? We, we race on the outside as we head towards the destiny that God has for us. Amen. Our purpose, our meaning, our why. Yes. But can I tell you something? We race on the inside, too, as we head towards our identity, who and what I actually am. The devil says, you know, I'm weak and I'm vulnerable, I'm not enough, and I'm alone. That's garbage. You know, can I tell you something? We're going to spend time. We're going to spend some time in a few moments. We're going to have our, that's a great service, man. Water baptism. I think we made a mistake in the kingdom. We, we just do that once. You know, when you're coming to you and you believe, you know, they, in, 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 in Acts, uh, help me, Jesus 18 something, 8, there we are. It says this guy, Crispus, who was a religious guy. He heard and he believed and then he was baptized. Now we forget. We think, well, yes, and certainly it's super important. If you get, you're coming to Jesus today or online or Buffalo or whatever, and you never really said, you know, Jesus, I believe in you. You are the man. You are my hero. You are my high watermark. I'm following you. And then hear those things that I'm telling you today for the first time and believe them. Yeah, sure, that we know that part. We, we water baptized men. But can I tell you something? There's, there's more stuff. There's more things to believe than just I get to go to heaven when I die. My sins are paid for. That's great. I'm loving that. Yes. 
you know what baptism is? The, the imagery of baptism. You, uh, pretend you're my class for a few minutes. In the water, what you do is you go in the water. The old man, the guy that believes all the bad stuff, fear and alone and not enough, all that stuff. He's the guy walking in. She's the girl walking in. And then we do the you know, burial in the water. And then there, uh, the new man comes out. It says it's, it's likened unto Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. Enter into that yes. as we are baptized. What's that saying? That's saying that the old man, the guy with all the fears and all the dreads and all the misery and all the torment, that's the guy that goes in. The guy that comes out a different yes. person. It's like you got washed clean Amen. of all that stuff. Amen. I think that's why, let me encourage you, if you're, if you're here today and you, know, you need to do a reset on some of this stuff that I'm talking about today, the fears, the not enough, the, the embracing weakness, the I'm all alone, it's only me against the world. If that stuff has started to creep back in in your life, you know, Corona has done that, the economy has done that, you know, the orange man has done that, whatever, can I tell you, it may be time for a reset. It may be time for you to say, you know what, I need another shower. I need to wash away some of that old man stuff that's tried to creep its way back into my life. And you can get, have that opportunity to hear this message, believe this message, so that it transforms the way you think, the way we understand the race that we are in. And then be baptized. Can I tell you something what baptism does? Baptism takes the quit out. You know, if you just say, oh, I think I believe that. Let's see how the week goes. You know what? I tell you what, you're going to need to hear this again next week. But when you say, you know, I believe this stuff, man, I am burning my bridges. I, am, I'm go I ain't going back. I ain't not letting that stuff diminish me anymore. I'm not letting that stuff take my destination back to nowhere. I'm going somewhere. God's taking me somewhere. The gospel is for a reason in my life to get my mental attitude focused on where I'm supposed to be going and what I'm supposed to be getting done. Amen. I'm no longer allowing this mental torment to be this, this, this virus in my mind trying to kill my dreams. You know, there's an amazing thing. Hi again. If we're humble and we're willing and we're obedient, can I tell you something? We have just unleashed supernatural transformational power in our lives. Yeah, you can't get rid of that fear. You can't get rid of that feeling of not enough. You can't get rid of that when you're alone in a crowd. Can I tell you something? You pray and ask the Lord if he wants you in the water in a few minutes and just say, you know what? I can't do this, God. I can't get rid of this. I need this. You got to change me, man. You got to get rid of this thing that's holding me back. And when we step out in humility and say, you know what? Psh, Lord, I just need you. You know, Dr. Jones, friends of ours, friends of the ministry, is a, uh, uh, he does a lot of inner healing work and all that. He says, you know, Jesus, when he cleans, he cleans with a wide broom. I love that. You may be going in there thinking, I'm going to pick out this little, you know. <laughs> Jesus comes through like with a fire hose. <laughs> You wake up the next morning, it's like, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Whoa, Jesus, where have you been? Yeah. Can I tell you something? This is what 
we just embracing, humbly embracing these principles of the scripture that say, you know what? When you go into water baptism, you do it a hundred times. Every time you're in the new season, maybe t- this is a new season and you're loving Jesus today for the first time and you just want to cement it. Yeah, do that. Maybe you're one of those people that say, no, I've been, I've been gone from God for a long, long, long time. And I'm coming back, man. Ain't nothing down that other road for me. I'm coming back. So that's another good time. You know, wash that stuff off, you know. But there's also those people that are, you know, you're on fire for God. You never missed a step the whole way along. And you can sense right now that you are at a new season that, you know, all the kingdom, I think, is doing that right now where there is a new season upon us. There is a new place. There is a new epoch that is going on. And we're all stepping into that. And maybe you feel that. Maybe you feel that, you know what, there's just some stuff that that's just, I got to watch that out, man. I am going with God. It's a moment for you as we're in water baptism today to say, you know what, God, man, I am set. And I am going for this. Amen. And see where it is that you have for me, what it is that you have for me. In Amen. Jesus' name.